Welcome to the Mavens Do It Better podcast. And now, your host, Heather Newman. Hello, everyone. Here we are again for another Mavens Do It Better podcast, where we interview extraordinary experts who bring a light to our world. And I couldn't be more excited today to have Stephen Fowler on, who is an awesome colleague of mine. And you're coming to us from where, Stephen? I'm actually based out of Atlanta these days. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for being on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So Stephen and I got a chance to hang out in uh, Puerto Rico during the SharePoint Saturday Puerto Rico last year. And it's been a while since we've seen each other. <laughs> yeah, we're staying busy. Yes, absolutely. And um, I, let's see, I, gosh, I don't, we've known each other a really long time. Um, I can't even remember where we met for the first time, but it's been a lot of years. You've been um, part of the Microsoft community for a really long time. And, and you're an yeah. Azure MVP, correct? I am, yes. Yep. How long has that been going on? Since uh, 2017. Okay, great. And I, But before that, where, where were you playing in technology? Uh, before that, I uh, was leading a systems integrator and independent software vendor ISV uh, organization up in the Boston area, right. uh, primarily focused around SharePoint and SharePoint-based solutions. And so that's where you and I met early on in the, the yeah. SharePoint community uh, creation. Yeah, I knew, it was, I, th- I knew it was Boston, but I was like, yeah, it's been a long time. Um, where did you get started in IT? Has that always been something on your trajectory or did you, you know, fall into it or how did that, how did that come about? Yeah, um, I I had shared with you when we were in Puerto Rico that I actually had a fairly difficult childhood growing up, Mm -hmm. and I had stumbled across getting my hands on an Atari 400, (laughs) and it really provided an escape from all of the noise that was happening around uh, in the home life, and I just distinctly remember opening a book and putting it right next to the Atari 400, and it was basic programming, and I just started kind of following the book and I liked it. I had a knack for it. And then, uh, and here we are. Yeah. I had an Atari as well. I think I'm, I, my favorite game was Pitfall back in the day. How about you? <laughs> yeah, what was exactly. your favorite? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Frogger Pitfall was, a uh, you know, yeah. All of those. And I loved yeah. Kaboom too. I thought that game was awesome. <laughs> that was like one of the few games with a paddle actually. I yeah. remember that That's so funny. So where are you from from? So you're from the Boston area originally? Yeah? Yeah, I'm from uh, North Central Massachusetts. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I love coming there. It's been it's been fun off and on through the years going back and forth. It seems like they do like tech shows like in San Francisco or in Boston, and they sort of switch them back and forth that West Coast, East Coast kind of thing. That's pretty fun. Um, tell yeah. everybody about your new venture. That's exciting. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah, so. yeah I appreciate that. Yeah, so uh, basically what it is is as follows, right? I mean, when I first started my first venture, the tack that I always took was, well, let me lead as a systems integrator because then that will really give me a pulse of the market, both between who different vendors are and different customers are and pain points. Sure that by also servicing them would give me the positive cash flow I would need to invest in product. And so fast forward over a 20 plus career, I have better insights into where markets are now where I don't necessarily need to have that systems integrator play. And so right now what we're doing is, is we're creating a product that is going to be cloud governance. And a lot of people conflate cloud management 
with what true cloud governance is, and we're creating a, a product that will allow people to get true cloud governance. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of, I don't think there's a whole lot of products in the marketplace that do that. I mean, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, that's what we have found too, which is why we're, that's why we've created it. Yeah, and I know you play a lot in the IoT space. What are you, what are you doing yes. there? And I know you, you, I think you, what was it? You won uh, an award last year. Or two years ago for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually back in 2007, yeah. we won a business impact award for the work that we were doing with a small lettuce uh, hydroponics farm here in North Georgia. Oh, wow. And and, and the, the interesting thing about IoT, which we really, really enjoy, is, is that in addition to getting operational efficiency, mm-hmm. which is what IT does, is either generates revenue or reduces cost, right. is, is that we were able to also provide new revenue streams for this farmer by monetizing the data and the modeling from that data. But then we were able to even advance beyond that and actually be able to create new product lines for him that were not possible prior to him deploying IOT. Wow. And as far like, what was it measuring like soil and looking at like, how did it work a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically what we did is, is that we had a couple weather stations, which uh-huh. were small IoT modules that we placed 12 of them inside of the greenhouse. And then we would also have six outside of the greenhouse, as well as um, sensors and actuators on different things like the, you know, the for heat, humidity, temperature, right. all of those types of things. And then also sensors in the water to measure pH um, and things. But okay. basically it boiled down to this. We were able to have such a fine detail level of monitorization mm-hmm. of the environment that we could change the overall recipe, as we were calling it, both in, for the internal environmental state as well as the solution that we, f- we fed the plant. And what we were able to do was this, Heather. If you can very finely manage the humidity level inside of a greenhouse, Mm -hmm. you can actually naturally um, uh, manipulate what and when the plant drinks. And when you do that, we were able to slowly naturally reduce the potassium level in the lettuce, which is, as you know, potassium is that the stuff that makes vegetables taste bitter. Right. And so that was that new product line was, although the lettuce isn't going to taste like an Oreo cookie, um, (laughs) you know, we've got some really good tasting lettuce that kids really like. Wow. That is so cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We're pretty excited about it. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's not just, you know, planting a seed and watering it these days with farmers, right? So. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, there are a number of things in in big ag, right, agriculture that um, is really about trying to produce even better levels of food naturally with fewer and future fewer natural resources right and that's um that's what iot is allowing to do in agriculture yeah well that's exciting i mean it i think everybody these days trying to eat as close to the earth as possible right and how can you do that and not spend a whole paycheck all puns intended to do it you know um that's really exciting yeah i've been i was at um, microsoft build last week and i walked through some of the IOT over there, some of the, they had a, they had a whole Starbucks, um, like shop that you could walk into that showed you, you know, how they're using the machines and monitoring things. And then I think there was another one that was about 
um, Kellogg's, and it was about having IoT monitors up in a grocery store so that you could, like, when things got pulled off the shelf and all of that. So I just I love the way all of that is moving into enhancing and also trying to keep costs down. So that's cool that you're in the thick of that. Do you have any other projects on the horizon in that in that vein? Um, well, there's some other ancillary things that we're talking with. We're talking with a major uh, tool manufacturer to oh. try to create smart products in the handheld tool industry. And okay. then we've, we're also wanting to retrofit uh, older HVAC AC units to, uh, to retrofit them to be smart AC units. Because what happens with your air conditioner is the consumable parts like the capacitor and things are very cheap, but if right. they're not monitored and they go, you can actually blow a compressor motor, which is thousands of dollars. So it makes a lot of sense to just uh, create a smart product that will uh, provide alerts and notifications that you need preventative maintenance on your, your AC yeah. unit. Well, that makes sense. And it, in, Atlanta, yeah. in Atlanta and Boston and many places you need AC for sure. So. Yeah, more so in Atlanta than Boston, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I know. I was actually, I was just in Atlanta in January for kind of a hot minute with a client. Um, but yeah, I love, I love that city. It's, uh, it's so eclectic and well, and the food's really good too. So um, what's yeah. that? Two Urban Licks, I think is one of my favorite restaurants there. You know that one? Uh, yes, I have been there. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one too. And you're also a member of the IAMCP, right? Is that right? I am, yeah. Yep, so I, I help support the local chapter down here in Atlanta. Mm. And, uh, you know, we've got a really strong uh, WIT uh, community down here. Cool. And um, so, you know, we've got a, a strong, uh, con- you know, collaboration between the folks here in town that do that and, and, the, and that group. Yeah, that's awesome. And for f- those of you on the phone who are, are not as techie, um, but you, you, you're you used to me talking about this kind of stuff with folks. The IMCP is the International Association of Microsoft Channel Partners. So folks who are partners of Microsoft, a lot of the times, will belong to the IAMCP. I'm a member as well, and I uh, helped found the NorCal chapter of the Women in Tech area over there. So, yeah, in SoCal, where I live now, very strong uh, uh, chapter. And so it's been fun now that I live here dipping into that because it was a little harder to drive into the meetings in San Francisco when I lived an hour and a half away. So it's, it's, much, yeah, it's much nicer being closer um, as well. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about being a, a, with the, I, you know, I don't know as much about the Azure side of the MVP program as I do the office one, but um, it, when you're an MVP for Azure. Do you are you do you specialize or is it like you you know everything there is to know about Azure? And um, we talk about that a little bit. <laughs> I know you're a guru, yeah. so I know you know. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, it, basically what it is is yes, Azure is made up of 152 or so services, and that certain services lend itself to specific workloads. Mm-hmm. And as you can imagine, there are all different. Um, different patterns of yeah. workloads that clients want to bring to Azure. Now, pretty much par for the course is people tend to lead with very specific workloads early on in their Azure journey mm-hmm. and then mature to other aspects of it. So what I would say is, is that your average Azure technologist primarily knows those core services that clients want today. Right. Uh, from a consulting standpoint, but what we're training on is the next generation of services that people either aspire 
or are trying to adopt. And then there's the stuff that's the edge stuff, which is really fun, but people are just exploring and doing POC work and some of the others. Yeah. And for those of on the phone who don't know, like what would, what would the uh, like first couple of, uh, ways you would use Azure. We tell everybody about that. Like what are the first couple that somebody that a that a business would be like, "Oh, I'm going to use Azure and I'm going to use it for XYZ." Yeah, primarily the best benefit of cloud is is that you have businesses that can move everything from CapEx to OpEx. Mm-hmm. So the days of of stroking Dell or somebody a check for 250k for a bunch of servers that are going to go on premises. Yeah. Uh, you can now just pay as you adopt yep. and so people are moving oh, um uh, vir- the virtualization quite frankly off of on-premises to the cloud right and then as they sunset their on-premises servers they're replacing them with the cloud equivalent yeah. now that's what they call kind of lift and shift and that's fairly common mm-hmm. but what we're what we're also doing is is people recognize that there are things called Docker containers, yep. and then there's other pieces called serverless, which is, you know, since we're going to go through this migration or conversion process anyways, might this be the time to refactor fundamentally how the solution is even implemented, and and those are the conversations that Azure experts have every day with people, yeah. right, and trying to create a roadmap for them. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm seeing more. You know, obviously, enterprise businesses who are you know connected so greatly with Microsoft and um, have those have had those larger licenses and contracts and stuff with them. I think that you know there have been more first to move, depending on their business. And but I'm having those conversations with the small and medium businesses. You know that yep. that that shop that consulting firm that still has a server room. And yep. they're afraid. <laughs> you know? yeah, it's, it's the same conversation on the SharePoint side, right? You yeah. look at the investment that it would take to stand up an on-premises SharePoint or, you know, for either anywhere from, you know, eight to, you know, low $20, you can actually just get a subscription to Office 365. Right. Right. Yep. And so it just makes sense. Yeah. It's been interesting. I was at, at Build and I, uh, there was a, the shift campaign uh, around shifting from um, uh, Windows 10 and then, uh, you know, Office 365. And because there's, a, you know, an end of service, end of life coming for Windows 7 um, coming up. I think that's in January, I believe. Uh, January, October. Yeah. Or, yeah, 2020. And are you hearing anything about that? Are people aware of that? You know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, it's coming. And then you're like, oh, my goodness, I need to do something. Are, are you talking with people about that at all? I'm curious. Yeah, I don't support that workload uh, a whole lot, but I am on the outskirts of, yeah, when XP went the way of the dodo bird, you know, (laughs) the same conversations for people that did not certify for for the next generation operating system. And now we've just got another graduating class of people that need to get off of Windows 7 and be uh, and certify for Windows 10. Yep. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's been an uh, I've been it's been cool to watch that. And there was a really neat experience of uh uh, a fellow Kyle, who's a real person from the city of Corona, where you could like go through and see how they've done it, you know. And I, I really, I like those immersive experiences at events, you know, um, those day in the life, and the, you know, when you're not just walking up to a demo station. I, I love that too, but I really uh, enjoyed that aspect of build. It was kind of cool, and I'm excited to see that hopefully um, coming up in a lot of events coming soon. So, do you yeah. do, do you do you still do many events? Are you going to stuff? I mean, I know obviously you went to Puerto Rico. Yeah, but... I was just. 
I, uh, I just did a Azure session at SharePoint Saturday Atlanta just this past Saturday. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's awesome. That yep. you, yeah, absolutely. And I'm also going to be organizing the Insider Dev Tour, which is the post-build event for uh, which are cities all across the world for people who couldn't attend build right. to get a little bit of insight in one day as to where Microsoft is going with its leading technologies. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, and we'll have to put that yeah. in the show notes for sure. So people can go check that out. That's awesome. Um, and speaking of, of Puerto Rico, when you and I had a chance to sit down and it was such a nice chat, by the way, thank you for that. That was, that was so lovely. <laughs> it was like, Hey, um, we talked a little bit, you know, talking about, being in Puerto Rico and having, you know, the hurricane just happened a year before. And um, I know that you do a lot of beautiful humanitarian work. And I would love for you to share a little bit about where that started and, and what you're doing in that realm as well. Yeah. So when I, the first trip that I had taken to Puerto Rico was literally to kind of just help from a, a, a purely humanitarian uh, standpoint and working with orphanages and, and mm -hmm. things like that when I would visit the island. Yeah. And then more recently, collaborating with folks to really try to help with business development and bringing uh, innovation and bringing investment money uh, to Puerto Rico. Sure. And uh, working with some of the colleges there and some of the students that are graduating out of uh, those colleges and instead of them heading s straight to, to the U.S. is how might they be able to stay back and um, and get the support they need to do something right there on the island. Yeah, that's hugely important because I think after, you know, I, I've seen it even in Sonoma County um, where I had a house and have many friends, you know, after the fires, you know, there's that moment of do we stay? Do we rebuild? Do we leave? Right. You know, and yep. I think whenever something happens like that, you get that trajectory of what should we do and people making decisions about that for sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. And another big champion on that, too, is Paul Swider. I know that you've had an opportunity to talk with him yeah. and him and I uh, still collaborate uh, to this day on, on different initiatives. Yeah. Like that's, that. oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I know that we've been chit chatting about when we're going to go back for SharePoint Saturday, Puerto Rico and also look at uh, a SharePoint Saturday uh, Dominican Republic as well. So I'm excited yes. to hear um, about when those might get seated and we could start talking about them too. When did you start yep. doing, oh, when did you start doing the work in this, in this film? Oh gosh. Um, I go there every year. Yeah. Um, and so I'm trying to remember how many years now we've been doing it. Yeah. Um, I want to say, f I think I went there five or six years ago was when I first started. Wow. And it's a family thing. Yes. Yeah. Yep. We go uh, as a family and then, um, you know, we help out on the humanitarian side and then I usually will break off and kind of do the business stuff. Right. Yeah. How has that affected like how your family? It sounded like a really cool thing to do together, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, so we even take it one step further. We actually have made the choice to homeschool our kids. So okay. as part of it, it's just part of the lifestyle of, of what we do. Right. Right. Yeah. That's cool. How do you... Um... How do you find some time to not burn out? You're a busy man. You've got, you know, this new, you know, startup. I know you're, you know, you're always contributing yeah. and you're doing these humanitarian things. Like, how do you unplug? How do I unplug? Um, well, well, let me kind of put it, kind of answer it this way. So yeah, sure. I really enjoy what I do. Yeah. Um, and although it does take a certain level of energy, mm -hmm. it's, it's not work. It's mm -hmm. not work for me. Yeah. Um, I think the other part to it too is, is that, um, I have really internalized 
that um, this notion that I have a moral obligation to reach my full potential mm-hmm. so that I can be an impact in a positive way to other people. Yeah. And so when I look at um, Puerto Rico or the people who I serve uh, and, the, and, and the employees that I have that work with me is to to create an opportunity where they can reach themselves their full potential. Right. Um, and, and that's that's what I really try to do. And, and I draw off that energy. That's what feeds me. Yeah. Is um, is that I get to, I get to pay a small part. Yeah. In, uh, in doing that. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I I think I, I saw ducks. Um, Raymond Tai from Avpoint wrote something about this, and it's I believe it too that you know people talk about work life balance, and yeah. I think that you know we spend half of our lives at work, we spend half of our lives sleeping. Well, maybe okay, let's give it thirds anyway, <laughs> you yeah, know, and exactly. thirds doing other things, and it's like yeah, I mean if you can't be happy and be in a place of positivity when when you're at work, it's just I don't know, I don't know if it's worth it whatever you're doing. You know? Well, but but, but the, I would answer it this way though. Yeah. See, the way that I view things is, is that the, the I draw a purpose, a sense of 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 mattering, right? Mm-hmm. Being, you know, that yeah. I matter and that I make a difference yep. through the richness of the uh, relationships that I have yeah. and having meaningful relation uh, experiences with those relationships. Right. And so I don't have all of these buckets. It's you know my life is as I have relationships in community, I have relationships professionally yep. and um, through friendships, and they really blend together. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, I I I work and play and with the people who I care about. The same. They're the same people. Yeah. Right. So it's not like there is these. I work with people who aren't my friends, and then there's this group that's my friends, but they're not my family. I, I don't really categorize like that. Yeah. I I. I agree. I subscribe to a similar notion as well. I mean, I feel like you should just be fierce across everything that you do, <laughs> you know, with the, with the yeah. same intention and intensity, right? Yeah. And I think because, you know, through the independent consulting that I've done in the past, or if I've, if I've built uh, up a company and with us homeschooling, my life really is a blend, right? It's everything's so obscure. If I feel like I need to break away for an hour in the middle of the day with one of my kids, I do that. Right. I don't have to wait for them to come home from school or something. So it's very dynamic. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And you know, I know that we all look for, you know, inspiration in different places and I'm always curious, you know, where, like, who do you listen to or seek out or what comes into your inbox that you're like, yes, and you love it or you subscribe to it or you read it. And do you have any of those things that you can share? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, so as I said, I had a little bit of a troubled childhood, so I didn't yeah. really have any positive role models in my life that I could really draw from. Yeah. And what happened was my mom actually was someone that would go to yard sales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I distinctly remember that I, I, I probably was, gosh, I think I was probably like around maybe somewhere between 10 and 12, somewhere around in there. Mm-hmm. There was this, this, this plastic case, and I opened it up. And both uh, sides of this plastic case were filled with cassette tapes. And my only frame of reference was, you know, uh, listening to music. Right. And so I asked this older gentleman, I remember looking up at him and saying, Mr., how much do you want for this? And what I know now, when he smiled at me, he was thinking, this kid has no idea what this is, <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go with this. Right. And um, he probably, thinking back at it, he probably wanted like nine, you know, 
probably $10 for it even back then. Right. He goes, well, how much do you have? And I said, uh, I got a quarter. And he goes, that's how much it is. It's a quarter. Yeah. And I, he took my quarter. And what it was, was it was a bunch of cassette tapes from Zig Ziglar. Oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> talk, talk about. And then, and so, you know, I put this cassette tape in and okay. I am listening to this, Heather, right. and literally like these truth bombs started like yes. exploding in my brain about concepts and principles and things that I had never, no one's ever, ever shared with me. Sure. Right. Yep. And, um, and then what I did was, is I really started to internalize some of those kind of universal truths. Mm-hmm. And then since then, you know, obviously, you know, um, Tony Robbins, he's still around today and there's a bunch of other folks. And, and so what it is, is this, there are people who are stewards of patterns, patterns that if you follow will be beneficial to you. And those patterns are relationship patterns, yep. financial patterns, mm-hmm. business patterns. And so what I try to do is just be a steward and to evangelize for folks that can be a benefit. Um, and, before, and, the, and and these aren't necessarily unique to Zig Ziglar, right? There's nothing right. new under the sun. He yeah. got it from somebody who yeah. got it from somebody. And you can go all the way back to Aristotle and yep. keep going further and further back, right? So <laughs> yep. I just make it a point to be a steward and to try to apply those patterns. And I know that when I do, I have the abundant life. Yeah, I love that. I love I can. That is such a great story. How old were you? I don't know. I I, I, I want to say I couldn't have been much older than 12, probably right, or, right around 12, give or take a year. What a time to get that in your hands. I, I know, right? Yeah, I know. You know, some of the concepts and I, you're so right. You know, I, I, Oh, I feel the same way. You know, I look at Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins, like people like Brene Brown or Marianne Williamson yeah. and, you know, Deepak yep. Chopra and you know, yep. Oprah, you yep. know, like all of that. And it is Wayne, Wayne Dyer, yeah, you know, yeah, all yeah. different, different, completely, yeah. you know, the Covey stuff and the, you know, uh, all of that. And I just find it so interesting. It It is what's great about all of that is that there's somebody out there for everyone you know what I mean? Like maybe you like Tony or maybe you like Zig better or maybe you like Napoleon Hill or Brene Brown or whatever. You got and, it. You got you know, it. You but, got it. And they all have their different kind of take on it. Right. But at the same time, it is, you're right. It's about sort of recognizing the patterns and right. understanding that people are stewards of these things. That's right. That's a but if you notice a little bit is, a, you know, slightly different vocabulary, yes. different storytelling mm-hmm. in different position but if you were to really simmer it down it's still the same patterns yes right yeah absolutely i was reading rereading napoleon hill's think and grow rich and uh, there was a yeah. class that some uh fellas were giving on it and you know it was funny it was like the first time i read it i was like okay because it's all about you know if you read this book you will figure it out at some point you know and that was like, I don't know, maybe like six or seven years ago. And I recently read it and I read the first three lines of it. I think it was like the first paragraph. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and it was kind of like the secret, you know, or some of yeah. that other stuff. And I was like, yeah, it's um, have a burning desire and go for it, you know? Yeah. And why, I, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, I, I certainly do. And what it all boils <laughs> down to for me, the one thing that I really stick on that I try that I tend to have. Uh, the conversation the most about is this we we are our habits yeah our habits are formed based off of a pattern of decision making yep. and if you want to be a different you you've just got to change the pattern of decision making yeah and 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 you don't do that 
you know, cold turkey, right. what you do is you do it in the next decision that you have. That's the only one you need to stay focused on. Right. And pretty soon you will be making a, a different pattern of decision making, which is why, you know, who I am now isn't who I was in my 30s, who wasn't in their 20s and certainly wasn't when I was uh, as a child. Right. Yeah. And so and, and, and the great thing is you can turn something around in a much shorter time than than most people realize. Um, yes. And that that should bring comfort to people that think that they're in a situation that that can't be changed. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think I you know I I've, I've been giving a talk about fear and toxicity in the workplace and talking about. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, you know, and talking through that we lead so much of our lives with fear, you know, and a lot of that fear comes from just chemical lizard brain, but it also comes back from like that thing that somebody said to you, that one thing and everybody has it that you remember. And that's like your, your button, you know, that you tell that, and it's a lie about yourself. Right. And getting past that one to me is so huge, you know, I don't know. Yep. Yeah. And I think another one is, is that, you know, you know, I absolutely do carry some baggage from what happened to me as a child and I see how it manifests itself in certain behaviors. Right. And, um, and I'm better at managing that, but, um, you know, we are, we are wired a certain way and our experiences do kind of mold us. And so I think a part of it is, is just understanding that, you know, all the different personality traits that you have can be both an asset or a detriment Mm -hmm. depending on how they're focused. And so just, just stay focused on using, you know, your personality and your, how how you're built, um, you know, in a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. I think with that and just integrity and authenticity, you know, those two words to me keep ringing true, you know, all the time when I'm in this situation or talking with someone or making decisions about anything, you know, I'm like, Am I being authentic and am I doing this with integrity? And are they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, uh, Forbes magazine, probably going back uh, a couple of years now, uh-huh. they did a study of self made multimillionaires, meaning people of $10 million of net worth or right. higher, uh-huh. and uh, net new money, not through inheritance or any other uh, means. And they absolutely found consistently without doubt that those individuals, uh, not, not of themselves, but of said by others that they had unpeckable levels of character of integrity. And so play the long game. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can lie, cheat and steal uh, for short term gain. But if you, if you play the long game, uh, it's much better. Uh, yeah. And I would just say it's a more fulfilling life to boot. But yeah. uh Absolutely. Yeah. You are a steward, my friend. <laughs> How wonderful. It's so cool yeah. that and you know, I I just it's so I I feel so lucky always and you know, I believe luck is a bit of like where you're dropped into the world and hard work both, yeah. right? And it's so yeah. like being able to blend technology and, you know, because I know you and you, you bring it all to the table. You know what I mean? Like kind of what you I were talking to. about. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's not just like my humanitarian efforts are over here and my technology life's over there. You know, it's like whenever yeah. you're looking at something, whenever you're talking, when we've talked, I, I just, I love how you bring it all to the table all yeah. at once. You know? Well, I'll tell you, um, you know, I, I share with you when we were in Puerto Rico, probably one of the most um, impactful things that have happened. 
was I, I have been in the situation where I have led a team to pitch a billion-dollar company on allowing us to serve them on a you know eight-figure IT initiative yeah. at a tall building in a city. Yep. And you get you hit the elevator and you know you crushed it. Right. And that makes you feel good. But what makes you get undone is when you can go to, to Honduras and man, mm-hmm. you know, a child who, who who probably hasn't been loved on for a little while. Yeah. You just you just you just touch them in a little way and just the the love that they give you back is it is uh I'll tell you that's that's what I'm going to be thinking about um as I'm checking out yeah. <laughs> of this uh, this experience. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely going to be the 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 impact. Yeah. And so um yeah that that's like monumental you know it's like yeah the juice yeah. you get from the work but yeah i mean it's at the end of the day, whatever the work is, whatever the technology is, it's still human. We're all, you know, yeah. human and looking for all of those that those basic needs that supersede just about anything else, you know? So I completely agree. Yeah. Wow. I love talking to you. <laughs> Thank you. Likewise. Likewise, very yeah. much so. Yeah. So what's so what's I guess yeah, you've got your startup and what's on the horizon for you coming up? Where do we see you in the world and all of that? Yeah, so I'm still going to be heavily involved in a lot of the Microsoft communities, like I yeah. uh, community events. Like I said, I still participate in SharePoint Saturdays because there yeah. are Azure tracks with them. Mm-hmm. I'll do Azure Saturdays and those types yeah. of things, and um, speak at conferences and organize Microsoft-based events. And um, that's awesome. And you'll probably see me out there trying to get this uh, get adoption of our cloud product. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. I'll keep an eyeball out for that and make sure. Uh, yeah. Everybody's got a way to get, you know, to, to follow you and to find all of your stuff. And, and I'm sure, yeah. you know, if anybody has questions about the humanitarian stuff, um, I'm, I'm, I'll talk to them about it, but I'll maybe point them your way as well. I know people, uh, I don't know, people are looking for ways to get more involved, I think, with that. And I think if we could do it with our kids and make that a part of yeah. just, you know, the, part of your life, yes, is going to school and work, but part of your life is giving back, you know? Yeah. I think that's and it doesn't have to be hopping on a plane and spending thousands of dollars. There's work that can be done right in uh, in the through the school system. Yeah, um, I know here in Atlanta. I know that you've probably been involved with you know uh, going back to middle age. Although we say high school, but I'll tell you, uh, it, it starts at middle school and, yeah. and early and late uh, elementary school of of trying to get some of the STEM programs out there to different folks and, yep. and stuff. There's there's lots of stuff that yeah. people can get involved with that doesn't take a lot of time. Yeah, absolutely. That was another cool thing at Build. There was more students and young people at that show than I have ever seen at any yeah. show. And there, yep. there was an entire sesh, uh, section that was all about just for kids, you know, hackathons and all yep. kinds of things. And and that, that's the other thing. It doesn't have to be super techie, you know. It's like whether we like it or not, computers and smartphones are a enormous part of our lives, right? And if we can do anything to help with the digital literacy, PC literacy, phone literacy with that group, I think we're doing a good service to them so that they can eventually get jobs, you know, <laughs> and do yeah. that sort of thing. So that is awesome. Well, cool. Well, I just think you're the berries and thank you for being on the show and sharing all of that with us. I really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. Absolutely. And one parting parting gift one parting question um is there anything as far as you know that spark in your life that that 
you know, we have the Zig Ziglar story. Is there another one that you might want to share? Something that really sparked you that really just sort of changed something for you or gave you a different direction or opened you up in some way that you'd be willing to share? Um, well, I would say that there's a bunch of kind of little events that happen in life. I, I think yeah. my wife, who I've been with since high school, oh. has certainly allowed uh, me to do what uh, what I and be who I am. Yeah, I think um, I think this notion of uh, coming to clients with high intent mm-hmm. and uh, with an intent to help them, knowing that if I focus on that resources will be there right like money yeah. and those types of things right to to, to uh, care and provide for the people who I care about yep. and then um, back uh, back about four years ago I think what really kind of ratcheted up was um, I had lost my mom to pancreatic cancer mm-hmm. and then my father-in-law passed away 30 days to the day so oh. I lost two parents within 30 days wow. and that will definitely center you yeah. about um, about things so I think I've I think I'm executing more congruent with, um, you know, where I want to be much more so yeah. uh, these last four years. So, yeah, it's those many like macro and micro moments that move us for sure. Wow. Thank you. you. Got it. Thank you for sharing that, Stephen. I appreciate it. Well, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being on. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate it. You are welcome. And we'll put all of the goodness in the show notes. And everyone, that has been another episode of Mavens Do It Better. And you can find us on all the usual places like iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and on the mavensdoitbetter.com website. And here is to another beautiful day on this big blue spinning sphere. The original music on this podcast was created by Jesse Case.